All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome to episode 275 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill, admin on the KISS FAQ message board. Today, I'm joined by 69th Blizzard Ken. Hey there. Marcus Almighty Mark. Greetings. And maybe when his Skype's finished updating or something, Lonnie might trundle <laughs> on by. Um, and if not, we'll catch him next time. Anyway, someone posted a comment on, I can't remember whether it was the message board or on YouTube or somewhere, that KISS podcasts are becoming like QVC. So I thought we'd do a quick roundup of some uh, merchandise that's coming your way uh, very soon. Uh, first and foremost yeah. amongst those is um, the Rockologist Rockology presale. Tom, can you make that any more difficult to say? Uh, is coming September or Saturday, October the twelfth, starting at five p.m. Eastern time. Their website is, of course, therockologist.com, and they're going to be issuing an orange vinyl edition of Eric Carr's Rockology. Um, that's the standard edition, limited to 500 copies. And they also have two versions of the Starburst orange, black, and silver vinyl called the Rock Ooh. Relics version one, uh, which comes with a shirt card. And that's a little snippet of Eric's um, shirt from, where was it? MTV Awards. MTV. His last public, yeah. yeah, his last public appearance. So it's been chopped up into little pieces to make a little relic card. And they're, they're actually pretty cool. I've seen these before. In fact, I might even just have one. Look at and that. Prepared. I do. Kids have some things like that. I was, right? wow. I was actually even able to find it. I've got one that, uh, this is a drum one. And uh, so the shirt one. Will be cool. And the second version comes with the drumstick card, and that's like one of his rehearsal drumsticks, a shard of that for your collection. Either of, the, yeah, a splinter. Yeah, well, <laughs> so wow. you, you, you never believe some of the shit that became relics in Europe in the Middle Ages, so there you go. Saints you go. arms. You know, carry the Saints <laughs> arm into battle. Um, so, getting back on topic. <laughs> the Relics editions are seventy nine ninety nine, limited to 250 copies each. So you can go over to therockologist.com and uh, order any of those if you're interested. And there's a nice little spinning of the picture of them into uh, the frame for those who are watching. Um, the other release that's just been announced is E1 is going to do a Record Store Day first release edition of Frelly's Comet Live. Mm-hmm. Shock horror. It's also an orange vinyl. I mean, what is it? There's a sale on orange pellets? Mark, yeah, I gotta ask dare, about do, that. Halloween do your time, next you know. record in orange. Um, yeah. So, so this is just, it's the audio from the live concert uh, that was Live Plus Four way back when. So, six songs, Rip It Out, Something Move, Cold Gin, Shock Me, Break Out, and Rocket Ride from Hammersmith Odeon 1988. Six, six song EP. I don't know. I don't think they'll fit all of that on one side. I think they said it was 30 minutes of music, but that would be pushing mm-hmm. it a, li- a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. we'll have to wait and see. Anyway, still cool for people who collect vinyl. Um, I did see when it got posted by someone, John Regan's like, what's the track listing? Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, boy. So hopefully it's uh, still coming out, but I think you could probably be sure that the people who are doing it, E1, know what they're doing and have uh, sure. cried. 
crossed their T's and dotted their I's, so to speak. All right, so this week is all about a little bit of this and that from the board. You know, there's been quite a few topics flying around other than the ones I've had to freaking lock and delete. <laughs> Get a life, please. People, stop with that sort of behavior. Behaving like the British House of Commons. Very unacceptably. Um, so we've picked a few topics to go through. I've got a list of the ones that I've suggested, and who knows, maybe one of you have one that you want to add in to the conversation. But I guess first off... Um, Lonnie, if he was here, had been on a cruise, might have an educated opinion about this one. But it's, of course, Kiss Cruise in the round, yay or nay. Do you think it's a positive and negative, and what do you think they are? And you're also allowed to say, I don't care. Ken? <laughs> well, I don't know. Uh, I mean, uh, I didn't know that it was happening. I guess I didn't see that news. Um, so in the round, uh, you know what? Uh, that's different. Uh, as far as I know, they've never done it in their career. So why not do it once? I mean, while you're tipping back and forth on a, on a ship and spinning around, maybe they'll all, you know, instead of blood, it'll be barfing off, off the stage So <laughs> from all members. But, uh, I, you know, I, th- I think it's kind of cool and different. Um, Maybe that gives a chance to some for some more people to get up close if they're going to put it in the center uh, somewhere on on the ship. And the, I don't know, is there a special, is it a different ship than normal that they're using? No, I, uh, I, I should have mentioned this is for the sail away show, so it'll be up on the uh, poop deck. Uh, up on, uh, on the, it could be on the uh, yeah on the pool. Yeah, on, on the pool on the pool deck, not the poop deck. Sorry. Um, God, well, maybe it will be. Start. I don't know, but yeah. So, yeah, I think it's cool that they're they're trying something different. So it's not the same old, same old. So, why not? Yeah, and you know, if Lonnie was here, you know, as someone who's been on the cruise and you know might have had an opinion on that, I just know that you know I mentioned this yesterday when I was talking with Joe for the Cruise Fest recap. Um, you know, it's become a tradition the sail away acoustic show and you know just the way it's the first day on the boat as the wind goes through your hair as you're starting to leave the dock in miami um you're chucking back a tequila they, they come around and hand out tequilas and the band is up there doing it and now they've like completely changed it up after nine years or I, i'm not sure on that for a fact because i think something was different at one point but mm. uh, at least for the last few it's become a tradition you know i'm also of the mind that you know it's it's something good to change things up um hopefully it works out for the fans and maybe paul gets to sing when the world what happens when the world goes around you know what makes the world go around what makes the world go around yeah, yeah. yeah. well personally uh, if you want my opinion uh, we do. I, I being somebody <laughs> being somebody who's actually seen a in the round show back mm-hmm. in 1991. I saw yes in the round at oh. the Rogers Center. Oh, actually, it was a Sky Dome back then. Yeah, um, and uh, I really enjoyed it. Now, what I'm wondering is, are they just doing a in the round basically with like a stationary stage and people are just sitting all around? Or is this a stage that's going to be rotating around like Yes's one was? You know, it's it spun, not fast, but like enough so <laughs> that people saw it from every angle, got a glimpse of the band, which I thought was a fantastic idea yeah. when they did that, right? So um, 
I think that it's a it's a good idea because you know what is what is the complaint that most people have with shows in general is oh I didn't get to see them from this angle or my seats were garbage or some people said my seats are great this way you have the opportunity to have you know a better view of them at least a couple times within the show so I think it's a good idea I'm just curious on how they're going to be doing it is it going to be just a stationary stage or is it going to be actually rotating Yeah I that, would assume be... it would rotate I would assume uh, with Kiss, I wouldn't assume anything. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you might be looking at Eric's the, ass the whole show. They can make it look like a what, Mark? They can make it look like a big round, uh, a turntable. Make it look oh. like a turntable, you know, and do that kind of thing. And they're playing their music. Rock and roll over logo there. Get the That's the turntable. Perfect. There you go. You got it. Hey, we got it. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> that. That that'll be interesting. I left all the cruise groups after I decided that I was never doing a cruise again. Um, so I, I just don't keep up or even follow it now. Ever. Well, no, th- there there was also a lot of bitchingness in some of these groups that I was in. And I'm like, mm. I've got the FAQ. I don't need it everywhere I go to be and <laughs> right. and to not be able to wield a banhammer. It's like total different thing for me. You know, if I'm in another environment that I have no control of, it's like mm-hmm. I'm out of here. So I do understand how some people may feel sometimes when they come over to uh, the board. All right, so there's a whole bunch of other ones, <laughs> which kiss to play shark boat off South Australia. There you um, go. Mark, thoughts on that? <laughs> Torture? Are you into torturing wildlife? Uh, not particularly. That's one of the things I was kind of a little bit unsure about. What what are they what is what exactly are they implying there? Like are they actually playing on a, some sort of a ship out in the middle of the ocean? I'm not oh, sure if I'd, I I'd call it a ship. That's stretching the, the the broadness of the definition. It's a boat with I think a see through bottom. Um, and speaker is pumping the music down into the water, right? Yeah, really. Es- essentially, and you got someone who sounds like Steve Irwin. All right, well sounds. Crikey! <laughs> Those sharks are getting feisty today. Throw another kiss fan in. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just yeah. wondering what the what the whole uh, feed the sharks. Like, what's the uh, whole thing behind it? Like, what's the whole reasoning for them doing this? It's a promotion for uh, a company, right? Yeah, they're getting paid. Um, well, it'd be yeah. a, that's a good one. Well, I guess paid. they'll do they anything have... for money. They've got a tour well, of Australia um, coming up, and you know, additional press. I'm, yeah, I'm not sure yeah. how many of those shows have sold out at this point. So, come on, this is Kiss. Has Kiss ever missed an opportunity to read their name in the press? No, no. They so, can go to Guinness Book of World Records, maybe for this. I don't know. What <laughs> killing the most uh, hammerhead <laughs> sharks with well, one start song? Jumping down the water onto the beach. <laughs> they can't take it. So I'm guessing it must be some sort of an acoustic show then or something. If they're going to be playing on a, a r- relatively small boat, then. I don't think so. I'm sure they're going to play it loud. Hmm. It's, interesting. Uh, yeah. It's an interesting one. We'll, we'll have to wait and see what it, what you know, if there's a video of that. I, I mean, they, I gotta ca- see. yeah, it kind of begs the question, is there anything Kiss could kind of announce that, would shock you. I mean, we all kind of laughed about it, but you know, oh, Kiss is gonna jump the shark. Uh, you know, it, it just kind of writes itself. Is yeah. there anything that would be too much mm-hmm. 
for them to do that you would actually be aghast. I mean, other than them announcing that they were going to record a new studio album and actually make some music. Yeah. Um, that would shock yeah. you. I don't know. I mean, yeah. Live, live appearance record. on the space station? Space station. <laughs> Rocket uh, ride? Yeah. Zero gravity concert by Kiss? <laughs> Zero gravity. <laughs> yeah. That would ease, you know, uh, Gene's foot pains that, he's, that he has mm. sometimes. So. All right, yeah. so let's move on from there. Um, another topic was, yeah, I'm annoyed with all this Soul Station album talk. You know, it mm. seems that Paul's busy in the studio um, doing this, doing that, putting the final seasoning. Mark, as a musician, are you tired of hearing about someone else's project on a daily basis and updates of what he's doing in the studio? <laughs> Well, of course, naturally, my comment will be no, because, you know, I, I find that most people actually enjoy those kinds of things. I think, though, as KISS fans, though, we kind of look at it with a, you know, sort of 50-50 approach, because, you know, one half of us are, you know, excited to hear that there's something going on in the studio, but we always want it to be about KISS, you know, so... I think people would be a hell of a lot more excited if Paul was putting up posts say I'm in the studio working on a new Kiss record. I think the the board would be over inundated with tons and tons of, you know, messages about that of people finally, you know, saying, "Well, yay, you know, they're back in the studio." But, you know, Soul Station is one of these things that uh, I don't think sits too well with a lot of the people in the Kiss community. I think that, you know. I can't think of many people that say that, yeah, I like Soul Station as much as I like Kiss. That's just not going to happen. So I think that while they're not being, <laughs> well, while they're not exactly maybe being tired of the post, I'm, I'm sure a lot of them are, were wishing that it was about Kiss and not Soul Station. Yeah, and then the other half would be saying how Paul can't sing and shouldn't be doing a new Kiss record and how they hate Kiss now. They checked out in 2001 because the farewell tour should have been blah, 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 nah. blah. Um, yeah. Ken, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, I mean, yeah, that's fine that he, he wants to do this and I guess you know he enjoys if he enjoys it, that's fine. Um, I, I just kind of question how much soul is in this Soul Station band because I see mostly just white guys. <laughs> so I was like, Where, where's the soul? I saw one, one, uh, you know, black guy, um, but you know, the, I don't know how much soul is really in this Soul Station. I think they're doing soul stall. You know, I'm guessing re remakes of. Uh, soul songs from probably 60s and 70s i'm gonna guess mostly um i would have rather have had paul try to write some motown type songs and have other famous people sing them kind of like you know what santana did you know uh, where he got singers sing his songs um from different you know genres or whatever and and have you know hey stevie wonder sing a song have gladys knight sing a song whatever or, or they could do r&b versions of kiss songs like r&b version of read my body or something well that would be uh interesting <laughs> it might be actually better <laughs> that way than the original way so he might might have a point there mark 
Yeah, so, you know, as far as it goes with Soul Station, I'm just glad to see Paul keep him busy and doing something, obviously, for himself. It's clear he's doing this for himself. Yeah. Um, he, he's not thinking about what we think, and I hope he doesn't care <laughs> what we say or what anyone says, because mm. it, it's got to be for him. If he's really that enthused about it, and this, again, is the music that he was kind of growing up around, um, I mean, how many of us don't recognize a lot of that music? Have, we've heard it. It's just part of the natural soundtrack of one's life. Um, you yeah, know, if he gets a kick out of it, if he gets a, if it's the only way he can go into the studio and do something now, is singing that style. And he's challenged himself to make the very best kind of mm-hmm. soul album that pays homage to some of the artists that he enjoys. Then mm-hmm. f- it's it's all fair. I mean, I don't know how interested I. I'm not going to be rushing out to the store to buy it. I'm not going to be buying a bundle with a T-shirt, uh, no? bandana, no, no. A vinyl, and a CD. No. Um, but I would like to. I would like to see video clips. Remember Sonic Boom? How they did yeah. those little like one minute long video clips of yeah. while it was being constructed. I would actually mm-hmm. love to see that side of his creativity. Paul's a very creative guy. Um, and this is his outlet for whatever need. Maybe it's his musical need. Then maybe this is because he's got to make music and he can't make Kiss music. So he's just doing it now for himself. I'll buy the product. It, it, am I buying it to support Paul? No, I'm actually buying it because I'm freaking curious about what this is going to turn out as with that cast of characters who you see pictures of. I mean, you know, Eric's on drums. Eric's got the chops and has done ev- absolutely yeah. anything and everything in his history. So there's no problems there. But some of these other cats, um, you know, I want to see how th- how they play. I want to hear what Paul does. Does he do anything with the arrangements or, the, or are they completely straight? So I'm curious. Um, well, so no, I'm not annoyed by this album talk. Well, you know who knows. I mean, it may be, it may turn out to be real, real good, real darn good and and great. Um, I don't know if it's going to be something like uh, that does well. Like remember when Rod Stewart did the, you know, older songs or classic songs or something like that, and and Barry Manilow did something too. You know, they those guys sold a whole bunch of you know CDs doing that kind of thing. And I don't know if this will turn out to be something like that. And I don't know how much he's going to promote it, whether he's going to go into some, you know, morning shows or whatever, but you know, it's, you know, I, I'll give it a chance. I'll, I'll check it out. And I, I hope, hope it is good. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I, I kind of figure it's going to sit right next to that Pat Boone, heavy metal memories, you know? <laughs> yeah. Pat Boone. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. All right. Let's go. All right. So into some of these more, I guess these are a little bit lighter and easier. The single most Kiss unlike or unlike Kiss song ever. What is the song that you think is the most opposite to the most Kissy song that you can think of, Mark? Yeah. Well, you know what album I'm going to be referring to for my selection. And, uh, with that album in mind, there could only be one song that comes racing to my head when I think of most unkiss-like, and that has to be Great Expectations. To me, that song just never sat with me well at at, at all. I mean, the whole, you know, bells and piano and stuff like that. I mean, I honestly thought that one of the very first times I heard this, 
it almost reminded me of something that you would hear like on a Walt Disney movie. You know, you'd see some like, you know, prince come out and he starts singing this song to a little to a princess. And so it almost sounds like that kind of a Walt Disney-esque kind of song. Now, that doesn't really surprise me too much, considering that, you know, later on, Gene Simmons did, you know, a tribute to a Walt Disney kind of thing with Fall, you know, Catch a Falling Star or whatever that one was, When You Wish Upon a star. star. That's it, yeah. And, uh, you know, so he has obviously links to that world of music as well, obviously. Um, but uh, it's not, there's nothing on there that's like cringeworthy, like he doesn't like sing it out of pitch or anything. Everything is done top shelf like the performances are all fantastic but it's just not a song that i would ever have expected kiss to do this this sounds more like a beatles thing more than almost than a kiss song so to me i've always thought that this is the real polar opposite to a kiss song why did i know exactly what you're going to pick before you even picked it (laughs) (laughs) am i that predictable now no, but I think when you ask a sort of question like that, um, mm. you know, it, it's kind of stating the obvious in some ways. You kind, of, you kind of look at all the music that is unkissed, like in the catalog, the unusual stuff. Read My Body is one that kind of jumps out. Um, I, I'm, I'm having a tough time really thinking about this one because I, I think a lot of the most unkissed like music that they did was on Carnival of Souls. Um, you know, e- even great expectations. I can imagine being done on a guitar and arranged around Ace and Peter and Paul and Gene instead of having the orchestral and kind of grandiose um, work or treatment that yeah. it, it did. So, you know, I can see that being a traditional rock song much more than I can see something like hate or carnival of souls the title song itself you know is very very unkiss like because it it, it's just heavy noise it's not really carnival souls itself it's just garbage um but you know again a lot comes down to taste ken well does it have to be a uh, kiss written song or not as long as they recorded it i guess okay well uh and actually, I was thinking of a couple different things. I mean, uh, t- to me, Then She Kissed Me was one um, that I thought was definitely not a kiss out. Now, when I think about um, the time period when Dynasty came out and I was made for loving you, I heard that for the first time. That was so unlike Kiss at that yeah. time. Yeah. If you if think of what came before that. That was a drastic change from everything that came before. So yeah. at that time period, and I felt it that way, even though I like the song, yeah, it's a good song. That was, at that time, the most unlike Kiss song in their catalog, um, other than, like, Then She Kissed Me, uh, which was a cover. So I kind of throw that, you know, it's a cover as a cover, and it's not always going to sound like the, the band. Um but yeah, I'm gonna say I was made for loving you. Right now, we we think of it as yeah, it's a standard Kiss song and exactly. blah blah it's blah. A, blah because technically, it's a classic. It. Yeah, it's yeah. a classic, and we've heard it for so long. But back then, at that time period, when that album came out, I said this doesn't sound anything like you know, you know, Charisma sounds more like Kiss, you know, than that, you know, on the same album. So, um, 
Yeah, that was a drastic change at that time. Yeah. That, so I'm just going to say that based on that time period. And, I, you know, I lived that period. I remember that, that happening at that time. That's an excellent point because, you know, when you think of it from that way, the timeline really it means a lot because, if, like you said, if if that was a fresh, freshly released song, like how you heard it, you know, it must have been a shock. Just similarly to, like, how when oh, his yeah. fans heard the elder for the first time and might have heard a song like the odyssey and think well what the heck is this is really like cinematic and very like operatic compared to what kiss has done before so even something like that even though we're so used to these songs now and think of them like a second nature kiss songs back at that time period though it would be it would have been probably quite the opposite yeah odyssey was another one i was thinking of too (laughs) you just mentioned (laughs) but the thing is i'll tell you something else i i bought the 45 i was made for loving you when it came out before the album came out and i ended up playing the b-side a whole bunch more than the a-side i was playing hard times all the time uh (laughs) because that was more like kiss yeah i liked it better than i was made for loving you so julian no sorry um, <laughs> I thought I thought I thought I didn't know if you were frozen or uh, no. I, I, I was just deep. I was deep in thought. You know, fanfare would be a complete cop out. Um, but <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> only you, very unkiss like. But then again, yeah. Shandy. Yeah. Yep, Shandy even, I mean, someone could say who lived at the time period, like you said, the timeline, Mark, uh, if they, when they got the Destroyer and they heard, you know, Beth, even. Uh, I know you picked the other one, but even Beth, yeah. that, was a, that was a drastic change from what came before, too. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, I, I've heard those people, like my sister's friends, who are constantly saying how different it was when it came out and how shocked they were and how they already thought that, Already at that point, Kiss was heading down the toilet, and then you know, r- luckily, Rock and Roll Over came out, and then all was you know, all was solved with those people, you know. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, that's some some good topics and some good ideas there. Let's go into the original band member you believe is most responsible for Kiss's success. Uh. Uh, and and I think this goes above and beyond Kool Aid because I think we've we've mentioned you know kind of what we think each member brought to the band you know on previous episodes and you know I, yeah. my answer to that was Gene brought money um, you know because he had stuff he had he had you know security and the other guys didn't but who would be from that mix of volatile characters Paul kind of the artistry. Ace, the je ne sais quoi. Uh, I'm gonna fall over. I'm not gonna fall over. The the <laughs> he, he's he's got the undefinable, you know. Mm-hmm. Peter, the the anger and aggression and the driving backbeat mm-hmm. and also unpredictability, uh, volatility, and Gene, focus, drive. Um, I, I mean, you, you really, really could. I mean, it's almost impossible to separate them out, but yeah. but you have to. And which one of those is the most important in your view, and why? Ken. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> um, 
Well, I think I think about the uh, initial success. Um, I mean, and then there's the con- continued success. Yeah. You know, if you talk about the, for instance, the 80s after they, I mean, on one hand, in the very beginning, I I would have to go with Gene uh, with the more theatrical makeup, that sort of stuff. Um, and his his ideas at the beginning, his vision for the beginning period. Um, but then then it kind of switches over to Paul, right? And and later on, and maybe late seventies and uh, uh, and through that throughout the eighties. Um, um, and then uh, you know, I I'm, I don't know what you know again. With Peter, you'd have a different. If you didn't have Peter, you would have a different sound. And just like if we had Lonnie, that would be a different factor here. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Trying to balance month of September, boys. And <laughs> <End> a <of> quarter. <laughs> my boss's wife was here. I couldn't even pick up my phone to text you guys. <laughs> That's okay. Thanks. Better late than never. Yeah, now I just now I just deleted all the topics that we talked about. Yeah, how do how do I undo on here? Um, so Ken, continue. We're talking uh, about yes, uh, which one of the original members of the band uh, do we think were most responsible for the success? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you could say well, some people say, or, or Peter would say that because of Beth. They they were successful and they used to, you know they you know gave them life again or whatever um, and then Ace, Ace is just a you know, great classic guitarist I mean I can't see anybody else from but him uh, in the being able to play those solos like he did in the you know throughout the seventies um, I don't know what it would be I maybe you know Bob Kulik would have I'm sure throwing out some pretty nice, you know, nice solos, uh, and probably memorable too. Um, um, but again, it's a lot of it's, you know, Gene in the early stages, beginning of the career, beginning of Kiss career, and then Paul throughout the eighties. And then after maybe the reunion, I mean, we know Paul's basically steering the ship. And I don't know if I'll call it full. It's, I mean, they're successful. They're, they're touring. They they sell tickets. But I don't know if it could have been better or worse after that period. Uh, being him or Gene in charge or whatever. Yeah. You well, raise an interesting thing about Bob, though. And I, th- I think people should go listen to the Michael Wendroff albums that he played on. Um because 73, 72, I think he was actually playing, doing studio work with Michael. And, of course, Bruce did a session for one of the songs as well. So you want to know what a, a Bob solo sounds like in circa 1973? Spin those albums. You know, Check the credits yeah. first to make sure I'm not making you play some crap that's completely unrelated. <laughs> Wait, who is this? Um, you you know and obviously it's a different style of you know artist than Kiss and so he's making it fit to what's there Um, Lonnie let's go to you on the original band members that you think is uh, most responsible for their success I think you can make the argument for any of the four really you know I I think you can make the argument for any of the four and you wouldn't be wrong Um, 
Ken mentioned Peter bringing Beth to the table. I mean, Kiss had a lot of success with Alive, but were they going to be a, a flash in the pan type artists until Beth really sparked Destroyer and, and sparked their career? You know, Ken mentioned Ace and his and his solo playing. You know, could you know he, he brought a certain sound and you know Kiss they Gene and Paul mentioned it when that Kiss Extreme Close Up video like. It was as soon as Ace plugged in and played with them, they're like, oh, this is the sound they were they they had been looking for. You know, Ace brought a certain style and a certain charisma to the band that that they had been looking for. They couldn't find. So, I mean, you can make the argument for Ace that he he was the the member that that kind of put it all together. But there's Gene and there's but then there's Gene and there's Paul. You know, there's there's Paul's vision and Paul knew what he wanted and was going to go after it no matter what. And, and, and Gene, he, he has held that vision with Paul and, and Gene was willing to throw anything at a wall to see what, what would stick and would do, was willing to do anything to, to be successful. But at the end of the day, I, I think I'd have to say, if you put a gun to my head, I think I'd have to say Paul Stanley is, is my, would be the, the one of the four that is the most responsible because he was the most driven and he steered the ship in the eighties and kept kiss going and gave them the longevity that they're still sustaining today. I mean, kiss could have easily have folded in the early eighties. If Paul had said, you know what, enough, I'm done. I'm going to go form the Paul Stanley band. Kiss would have ended. If Paul would have, if Paul would have had that attitude, kiss would have ended. And he very easily could have, if he, if you, you know, and no one would have blamed him at that point, looking back on history. So Paul Stanley, even though you couldn't make the argument for any of the four, for me, it's definitely Paul Stanley. Fair enough. Mark, and uh, do forgive the Jets in the background. It's Fleet Week <laughs> in San Francisco. Uh, well, uh, everybody made excellent points. Um, but for me, I kind of look at it like this. Uh, Gene Simmons, when they first started was the guy who was, you know, sending out all the invitations to the record people to come. He was the one who was responsible for bringing Bill Coyd in to get them to come to the show to see them. If he wouldn't have done all that stuff and brought Bill in, would they have gotten the success they had at the very beginning? Probably not. I think that Gene is the catalyst behind their success because all the stuff that happens later, none of that we, we would be talking about if the stuff at the beginning didn't happen. If Gene didn't do all that stuff at the beginning, you know, and send out all those things and fax all those people and, you know, use his office job to do all those things that he did beforehand, then the success later, there would be no talking about it because there wouldn't be any. I think everything that happened at the beginning was mainly based around Gene, and I think that he's the one responsible. Yeah, I agree with that that outlook and perspective on it. The genes, you know, Paul took care of the artistic side with the music, um, but Gene really got them in front of the people that mattered or his efforts more so. But I, I don't think you can then subtract from it you know, the importance of the seasoning that Ace's lead work provided, or you know, Peter's experience and yeah. you know, and and grift and attitude had. So it's it, it's a tough question, one I I think is almost unfair to ask or to even you know try and answer because again it was about the magic of the four. Uh, why they made it and uh, a good dose of luck and Bill O'Coin and Sean Delaney and mm-hmm. um, Neil Bogart 
and Joyce. So a lot more to it than just uh, being a simple question. Uh, but none of us went to the Kool-Aid. That's awesome. Uh, Lonnie, I want to catch up with you with a question that we, we talked about earlier before you were able to join. And yep. because because you've been on the cruise, mm. what was your take on Kiss Cruise in the round and not having the Sail Away show on the first night? Um, yay, nay, and your positives and negatives on it. I like the idea of Kiss of Kiss acoustic in the, in the round. I think that would bring a different element to it as opposed to going and seeing the same show like year after year after year. I mean, we, we've seen the, the acoustic shows set list and, and they vary slightly, but they don't vary dramatically. So I think seeing them in the round and on that ship, you know, they, they, they have the stage to one far side of it. So you could be pretty far back actually watching that when you're paying a substantial amount of money to see the band play in that setting, but yet you're pretty far away. So I think the idea of them playing in the round and putting that, putting the stage in the middle of the pool deck is, is a really cool concept. Now the idea of them not playing on opening uh, on for this, it's not actually the sail away show. It's actually three, two, two days into it or whatever it is. Um, I don't like that. I think one of the coolest things, uh, one of the coolest things about the cruise is that we're going to board the ship. Um, and then as soon as we leave, bam, Kiss is playing. We're on the Kiss cruise and Kiss is taking the stage and they're, they're playing for everyone on board. I thought that was one of the cooler aspects of it. And it really got you jacked up, you know, during the day that, you know, th- this is happening today. We're seeing Kiss tonight. Not, oh, well, it's the Kiss cruise and we'll get to see Kiss in two days or we're, it's on the Kiss, it's the Kiss cruise and, oh, well, they're doing a Q and A tonight. No, <laughs> I'm, I'm here to see a Kiss concert. Not to hear Paul Stanley answer the same damn questions for the third, you know what I mean? Over and over again. Why'd you take off the makeup type bullshit? I want I'm here to see kids. And I was actually, I was actually, you know what? My wife actually went on the cruise, cruise with me. We got engaged on the cruise and she, I was telling her, I, I said, I said, I was looking at the, the itinerary for the cruise. I said, listen to this. And I was telling her, she was like, well, that's really stupid. I, I mean, even she, even she agrees that, that it's really stupid that they're not playing on, on opening. Julian, what, I'm curious, what's your take on it? Because you, you went on the cruise last year. Yeah, and that was probably one of the things I was looking forward to the most because it's kind of right. almost legendary. The Sail Away show, everyone is there together. It's one of the – after your safety briefing, it's right. the thing. It's the thing, and I'd watched all the videos that people – all these multicams of previous years of it. So I was really looking forward to it. I had my camera on a 15-foot monopod sticking out of my cargo short pocket, so it was like 20 feet above the stage. Uh, I was you – know, getting yeah. multiple tequilas and all that. So <laughs> I was looking forward to it and I thoroughly loved it uh, just to be there. I mean, obviously I've seen them acoustic before, but to see a full like a acoustic set and a great one. And just to see, you know, I was looking around at people and there are people bumping into each other who hadn't yet, you know, seen each other on the cruise. And it's just mm-hmm. like that first moment of, yeah. uh, of everything. It was such a great scene to be it's in opening night. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, to be to be a part of. So taking it to the second night and, you know, like you were just kind of mocking. I mean, well, what's your kiss related event on the first night? Paul Stanley bedtime story. Right. That's all I am here. (laughs) Yeah, not. I think that's a misstep for sure. But I am really interested to see how it pans out and how it works. And you know what? Um, 
I, I will say fair play to them trying to change it up, and maybe there's more that's going to get announced. There's, what, three weeks? And you know, Obviously, I talked to mm-hmm. Joe yesterday and did the update. We talked a little bit about all this as well. I was more shocked that they got rid of beer buckets. I didn't know that happened. That's you know, even a bigger letdown. You're, you're on a cruise and there's no buckets. <laughs> Gee, what is wrong with you people? Um so I'm I'm you know willing to see how it goes. I'm concerned about how it will go because on a cruise ship uh, I just don't see how do you do a rotating stage? That doesn't sound very easy. That can be broken down. You're taking a lot of real estate away. I would assume, and again assume I'm maybe making an ass of myself by doing so. But um, it it seems on a pool deck to take that amount of space out and. Does that mean no one's going to be allowed up there on the first night because of them constructing the stage? You know, is it going to have that sort of logistical impact? How does it all work? How does it all play? Can't wait for the reports and hope everyone mm-hmm. enjoys it, whatever happens. So, you know, but no kiss on the first night. Yeah. Sucks. That's right. Totally great. Yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe they'll throw Bruce in the fire and he'll give you a whole bunch of fantastic <laughs> yeah. 80s kisses and make up for it like they did last year. Cause, I mean, Bruce, Bruce up to save the day. Again. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, let's get into the last part of this, and this is Five Lost Kiss Classics. And let me just read this one out. None of these are my own. Okay, so we all know about the end-of-the-road set list, and people will always have their own personal favorites. But let's try the songs that never made it into the live set list and maybe have been pretty much forgotten along the way. So I don't know if I can operate within those parameters, so we'll just do it our way anyway. Five Lost Kiss classics that you really think should be performed live by the band before the end. Mark. Well, the first song that comes instantly into my head is going to be "Naked City." I mean, we've been heard, we've been asking for that song for who knows how long now, and we were keeping our fingers crossed that Gene would do it with his solo band, and we never got to see it with that. And uh, you know, it's still possible they could do it. I mean, Gene has to sing it, not Paul. So it's just a matter of them learning it, and uh, you know, getting up there and doing it. And I think it's really a fantastic song. I mean, there are people that have asked for that song. I'm surprised it's fallen on deaf ears. I, I, I know that much, you know, a song asked that many times before from them, then I think that they would do it by now. But, you know, Kiss seems to ignore these kind of requests. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great pick. I, I saw Ken nodding approvingly. I know I would agree <laughs> with you. Um, yeah. I'm going to throw my my first pick would have to be, I think, Mr. Speed. Mm. Um, it's the one the fans, I think, have asked for the most that's never really made it. I know it made it onto some of the cruises. Um, but, again, I know why they wouldn't do it. And, you know, I don't know whether Paul could do it justice now either. But it's got such a great vibe. It's so fun. It's just so rock and roll e, you know. You'd have to tell them which album it came from. Yeah. <laughs> um, who knows? Ken. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I like Mark's pick um, because we've always wanted to hear that one. Um, I, you know, I pick another one. Uh, I pick Charisma. Um, it, even though we know we've had Gene, Gene's, but Kiss hasn't done it. Um, 
I would have loved to hear their take or their, their take on it live. Um, I think it would be, you know, pretty darn cool and, you know, and loud, <laughs> which it should be. But, uh, you know, there's, there's other ones, um, too, but I think that one I would have, would enjoy just as much as Naked City. Yep. Hmm. Lonnie. Mine's one, well, Mr. Speed was actually my number one, but Julian mm. took that. So I'm going to go with my second one, <laughs> which which is something that they that they haven't done. It's something they have done, but it's something they haven't done. And they've done on the cruises, maybe. I don't even know if they've done it on the cruise. And that's, and that's Let Me Know. It's probably, it's maybe my favorite song off the first album. It has such a great classic Kiss vibe with Gene. And I know it last last week I kind of went off on the idea of having Gene and Paul sing on the same song, but it but let me know isn't forced with Gene and Paul singing on the same song, and it sounds so natural, and it just has a great just classic Kiss vibe and beat and guitar sound to it, and it's they they've they've played really every song off that first album so so much except for you know love theme from Kiss or. Or Kiss in Time, and this song. This song. This song is like the one, like you, as you could say, quote unquote, real song off that first album that they really have given no love to at all yeah. in forever. I think they may have played it on a cruise, maybe played it acoustically on the cruise or something like that. Even I don't know if they played it electrically on the cruise, but I, I think it's a real shame that they haven't. I I really really love that song. So that'd be that'd be way up there for me. That's, that would be such a good pick as well. When you good think pick. of it, it's the when Gene Simmons meets Paul Stanley for the first time, and Gene says, "So you write songs, huh? Play right. one." And Paul Stanley plays "Sunday Driver." Let me know. Yeah. And, I mean, come on. I mean, end of the road, beginning of the road. Play that. Yeah. Just just the story that it could be introduced as, you know. I mean, I would love to pick one off the first yeah. album, and I would love to see them be, you know, for that same reason, be bringing back Acrobat, love theme mm-hmm. from Kiss, into the too young part, because it's got story. Yes. Here's one we used to do at the Daisy. Um, yeah. You know, and, yeah. and when we say never made it into the set list, I'm just approaching it, never made it into the set list properly, because, yeah. you know, these were songs that let me know was done, you know, what through uh, Alive. Really, yeah, and that's um, really it. And then that is essentially it. So, Mark, why don't you give us another one of your picks? Well, um, I think that another one that kind of along the same thinking is uh, anything for my baby. I think that this, that's one of those songs off of a, you know, uh, Dress to Kill that I thought, you know, was a was a pretty catchy song, and. I don't know. I don't think. I don't know if they've ever did play that live or not. If they did, it's probably one of those you know obscure sort of you know cruise ship you know songs that they played. But I always thought it was a pretty fairly catchy song and one of those ones that uh, signifies the kind of Kiss sound that they had around that time. You know, they they were very much all about those harmonies and that sort of drumming thing. I mean, Peter Chris goes back to that. You know floor tom snare drum thing like he does in rock and roll night on that as well here so it's kind of like you know he's he's hinting back to that kind of drumming style that he likes to play and i I think it's just a catchy song and it's not a long song and you know i I don't think it would be very difficult for them to pull that one off it's not very challenging 
I think, as some of the other songs might be that we are going to pick. Yeah, doesn't have too many lyrics to forget either, does it? So. Yeah. But you're really, you're, that was going to be my next pick. And I just love how just basic rock and roll it is. It's just good times 70s rock and roll. Not yeah. anything spectacular, but really catchy and bubblegummy and, you know, just easy, just uh, kind of groove to Ken. Yeah, I'm going to pick uh, another <laughs> song. Um from uh, Alive 2, the four, side four, um, Larger Than Life. Um, I think that would be just an awesome song for them to play. Yeah. It's big and bombastic. It would fit in with, you know, for easily live. I mean, no doubt. It has that feel anyway. Um, and I'd love to hear that, you know, bombastic, you know, drums and hear hear eric's take on it and and tommy's you know uh attempt at a at a bob kulik solo you know i think it would be pretty darn cool lonnie i'm gonna go with magic touch um i thought it sounded fantastic when paul stanley did it on the live to win tour and i think it would i'd, I'd love to hear a proper kiss version of the song i mean i don't think they've I think mean, that's the only time that song's ever even been attempted was on the Paul Stanley solo tour. I don't think Kiss has even attempted it on a cruise. Well, actually, they, they uh, it's a funny, I don't think they've ever attempted it on a cruise or anything like that. It's it's actually funny that the cruise that I went on, um, we started shouting, I stole your, the crowd started shouting, I stole your love, I stole your love. <laughs> so Paul Stanley says, okay, we'll do it. And it's, so they played, I stole your love. So then people started chanting, magic touch, magic touch. And Paul Stanley goes, Eric doesn't know how to play Magic Touch. In fact, he looked at me and goes, no, you don't know how to play Magic Touch. <laughs> so hey, I, at least they got a tape of it from Live to Win. Right. So I, I, I love the, I've always loved that song and was ecstatic when, when, he, when he did it on Live to Win tour. So I'd love to hear a proper Kiss version of that. Excellent. I'm going to go with a pick from Unmasked. What makes the world go round? That was one of the songs that I really, really liked, and yeah. you know, in the time that I was becoming a fan and going through this vast amount of cassette tapes that I was rapidly accumulating on a weekly basis, um, you know, there wasn't much that stuck out for me on Unmasked other than Naked City, She's a European, and When the World Goes Round. And I just think, again, it's just a really good poppy rock song that, you know, well, never been in the set, so why not yeah. chuck it in there? Mark? Well, uh, another song that I was thinking about uh, them putting back in, well, or doing, uh, and this would involve getting Eric Singer to sing as a do mainline. I mean, there's a song that they mm. haven't really done very often, and an opportunity to have. Eric sing, I think, is a good idea because again, it would give Paul a bit of a break. And plus, Eric's such a great singer. I mean, I don't think he gets enough, you know, chances to sing like a rock song. I mean, he's up there now doing Beth. I mean, but you know, great. That's like a ballad. He has such a great rock and roll voice. Why not let him go and do a couple of songs that are, you know, more in the rock and roll vein? And I think Mainline, while it's not the you know 
biggest rockiest song in the world but it still it, it would give him a chance to do more of his rock singing than he would in like a song like best so my vote goes definitely for mainline i think that it would be a good song for him to do yeah anytime eric sings is good um ken um i think uh, i would pick uh from look it up uh, a million to one um, I think that would be pretty awesome. Uh, now, can, can Paul sing that now? I don't know. But uh, I think that that song always should have been played or, you know, been a single and, and played live when the album came out. Um, that should have been one of the choices. Um, I just think that song is way overlooked uh as a as a great song in the kiss catalog by by kiss themselves so yeah one of many Lonnie. yeah i'm gonna pick something that comes off an album that not just a song that they've ignored but an album they've completely completely ignored and that's hate off carnival of souls I'd love to see them do that. Now, will they ever do that on a arena show? Absolutely not. But I would love to be sitting at my desk in a couple of weeks, and all of a sudden it pops up that they played Hate last night at the Electric Show on the cruise. How cool would that be? Do play something off the Carnival of Souls for once. And if, if you're going to do something off Carnival of Souls, for me, Hate is the song they do off because it. It's just dirty and grungy, and Gene could sing it and wouldn't have to worry about <laughs> other things. So, like the, like the lyrics, right? Yeah. Well, they have they have, telep- I have teleprompters on the cruise, so he could he could read off a teleprompter. So I I'd love to hear something off Carnival of Souls, and if there was one song off Carnival of Souls to pick for me, it would be Hate. I'd love to see them at least at least attempt it. I think it'd be it'd be a lot of fun. Gene and makeup. Just imagine blood dripping underneath. Hate is what I am. Of a man banging his chest. You Freaking know. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The, the visuals. And you, you totally represented just what I was going to ask for. They have to do something off Carnival of Souls before the end, live in concert. Um, my pick is Jungle. Because, fun too. Again, the groove of it, it's a total deep purple groove going there. Um, I think Eric can sing a lot of that song as well. I would love to see Gene playing that bass line. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. just because he's better than people think he is. You know, yes, don't, don't don't let the guy fool you. He can actually drive that car. Um, he doesn't just wear it and sell them. Um, I, I just think it's a really great groove song that they could really kill live and up it in terms of lead guitar work. Just let Tommy whale, let him solo all over the place on that one. Um, and also integrate lights and fire <laughs> into make it a whole show itself. It's a six minute song. Now maybe they can chop it down a little bit, but I think they could have a lot of fun with it in terms of the dynamics of how it's presented live. And again, you know, Eric singing it, drumming it, um, Paul rapping, doing his thing. Um, yeah. I, I think it could be a really great thing that makes people say, this is a really unusual Kiss song. This is a very un-Kiss-like song, uh, going back to that earlier topic. And it might actually, well, no, well, 
I was going to get them to go out and get an album, but unlikely, considering it's mostly diehards up there, and they don't know most of it, or the other people don't know most of the songs anyway. But it'd be cool. All right, how about one more pick each, and then we'll uh, go back to Lonnie for a couple of the early topics so he can have his say. Mark. Okay, well, the one that I'll pick then um, is See You in Your Dreams. I mean, that's one song that I think that's out of all the songs off of Rock and Roll Over that they've played, they played a lot off of that record, and rightly so. Um, it's one song that they re- rarely ever do or rarely ever did. And I, I don't think it's a terrible song, um, but it's definitely a, you know, a, a, a deep cut if you think about it because they don't, they don't ever – you know, they, they've never performed it. They've never even hinted at doing it. I mean, Gene obviously likes it enough that he redid it on his solo record. But, you know, why why not pull it out and do it on, on, on a tour, especially now when it's everything's coming to an end? I mean, it's a song that I think would surprise people just as much as some of the other selections that we did, that we picked earlier on. So uh, my vote has to go for you, See You in Your Dreams. Nice pick. Great album. Ken. All right. Uh, I was thinking maybe a crowd participation song a little bit. I think it could be somehow. Um, uh, and maybe ins- inserted in place of Crazy Nights. Um, Read my body. And yes. Yes. Came out. No, uh, Damn it. I, I'm thinking turn on turn on the night. Um, oh yeah, you win. I, yeah. I think that would. I think you could get a you know people's. You know, so it's saying turn down the night, you know, uh, during that. Uh, so I have the crowd participation, but I think it would just be a great song. It, it is a great song and it should be, in my opinion, played live uh, at least one time um, for the fans because it it's one of the better songs on that album. Yeah, so. for sure. Yes, yes, yes. Lonnie, how about <laughs> one one last one from you? One last one for me. I'm going with "It's My Life." I love that song, and I love to hear them do it. I wish they would have released it in a better capacity than what they have. Um, I know Julian is not a big fan of the version that wound up on the box set, but I just, I, 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 I actually enjoy that version of it. I really enjoy that song. And I I wish that that would I wish it would have ended up on Psycho Circus and I wish that they would have done it live because I I think mm-hmm. it's a very anthem like kiss song and I yeah I feel like it could have I, I don't think it would have sparked Psycho Circus into being a great album and you know being accepted by all but I think it could have been made Psycho Circus more or or made Creatures of the Night more for that matter or. If they didn't want to use it on Creatures, they should have saved it for Lick It Up. It would have been a great, a great song for Lick It Up, right when they took the makeup off. I think it would have worked well there, too. So it's actually one of my favorite Kiss songs, and I would love to hear the band actually play it. So that's my pick. That's a yeah. nice one. Good pick. I, I, was, I was trying to think of a last pick, you know, something like Sweet Pain. or, um, But I think what would work very nicely in concert is something off their final studio album. Right here, right now. Ooh, that's Paul, good too. I think Paul could do a real good intro to that about the importance of enjoying everything that's going on right here, right now. Um, mm-hmm. It would just be—it's a, a very celebratory song, 
very positive, uplifting, and it's off the line of the album that's completely unrepresented so far on this tour with Tommy and Eric. So yeah, that's my thought. Lonnie, I want to just go back to some of the topics that we talked about earlier. Um, And what are your thoughts on, you know, yeah, I'm annoyed with all this soul station album talk. Are you annoyed at all this soul station album talk? What are your just kind of thoughts on that project? I don't know. I'm not annoyed with all the soul station album talk. I don't, if you like, if you're interested in, in getting it, great. If you don't want to get the album, well, then don't get it and hit the little mute button on your phone <laughs> so you stop seeing that kind of crap if it, if it bothers you that much. You know, when I when I see posts on my phone from people from high school, I really, why, why do I need to see another picture of your kid? You know what? I, I just mute the person so I don't have to see it anymore. So if you don't like it, just. You, you can you can structure your life so you don't have to see it if you're annoyed by it. I'm interested in it. I mean, I, I, I'm I like most KISS fans. I'm a sheep. I'll buy it when it comes out just because I'll want to check it out. Um, will I listen to it past the first week that I buy it? Eh, probably not. But I'll still buy it just to check it out because I am what KISS preys on as a sheep KISS fan. <laughs> All right, that's a quick take on uh, Kiss, Kiss to play the shark boat off South Australia. What you know your what? Take sharks that? deserve music. Sharks deserve music too. That's my take on that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, I think it's I think it's, you know what? If, if Metallica can play Antarctica, why can't Kiss play for sharks? I guess that's a good point. You know, I, I don't know. I, I, I didn't click on the link. To see, what, what are they charging to get on board for that so you can be a part of that? Do you know, Julian? No, I, I, it was cheap, though. It was. Uh, you oh, know. was it really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's only 500 people, something like that, I think. Yeah, really? I thought it was like 50 bucks a head or, you know, Australian. So. Well, I'd do that. If I'd do it then, if I was down. Oh, yeah. 50 yeah. bucks for a Kiss concert? Count me. Yeah. In. Yeah, how the hell is Definitely. how the hell is Simmons gonna charge all those sharks to the meet and greet? So that's just right. And, <laughs> and did, the, did the sharks get anything signed or is it pre-signed? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I think I think we can leave this one there. Um, <laughs> since that is the end of the show, Mark, do you do you want to give everyone an update on Project Gemini and where you're at with that? And oh well, uh, just really quickly, um, I will be posting a video tonight about the pre-order of the CD version of my record. Uh, the pre-sale will start tomorrow, which is October 11th. So uh, get in early because there are some things I'll be offering. And usually these things kind of go quickly, like the executive producer <laughs> thing that I usually offer. Those two uh-huh. things went e- e- exceptionally quickly. Like within the half an hour, they were both gone. So um, if you want to get in on that, then... Hey, you're gonna have to jump in right away tomorrow and grab it. But there's a, uh, you know, there's some other cool things that I'm offering this time around too. So uh, check it out. I'll put the video up on the Project Gemini Facebook page, and uh, it'll be on YouTube as well. So if you're interested, check it out. And thank you again for all your support. 
Yeah, my my hands are going to be off the uh, executive producer uh, credit this time, so someone else can have a have a shot at it. I've I've had my my little fun there, so have at it and support Mark on this project. That was very cool, Mark, and also congratulations on the first single. I've listened to it quite a few times, thoroughly enjoyed it, and uh, you know I hope people mm-hmm. enjoy this album as much as they've enjoyed your previous offerings. So thanks. Oh, cool. All right. I think that's it for this week um, until the next show I record tomorrow. So for now, from Mark, from Ken, from Lonnie and myself, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Bye. Go Cardinals. Go Cardinals. Yeah, Bengals. What about, what about the Bengals, Lonnie? <laughs> we're, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. <laughs> Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.